The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Game Time. Snag tickets without the stress. Use promo code SGPN on your first purchase. Save $20. Download the Game Time app and use promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog just added Pick'em Scorchers, where you could win 100 times your money. That's right, $5 into $500 in one game. Plus, every Sunday, they're giving away $100,000. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $500. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently early Tuesday afternoon, October 3rd, and I'm your host, always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun but short episode because we have one match to talk about, the final in Beijing between Sinner and Medvedev. So we are going to preview that match before giving out some lock and dog picks at the end of the show. But I do want to mention the actual plan for this episode and for the podcast over the next week or two. So starting off with the actual plan... We are going to, of course, start off with the recap of the semis and the Astana final and recap the Lock and Dog picks. Then we'll preview the final in Beijing, then get into the Lock and Dog picks at the end of the show. As for the actual podcast, we have another episode later on today. So two episodes in one day, as we do of the Shanghai preview, which we have to talk about, which is a Masters 1000 event. So the plan is going to be going through one episode per round. So there will be a lot of content. It's an 11-day event, starts on the 4th, ends on the 15th. And then after that, you have a lot of tennis. You have three separate hardcore events at the same time. You have a Tokyo 500 event. You have a Stockholm 250 and an Antwerp 250 all at the same time, starting on the 16th. So we're going to go through the Masters 1000 event, one episode per round, and then we're going to do an outright episode for three tournaments, and then we'll probably resume those tournaments in the semis so a lot of content once again a lot of tournaments get excited but strap in as it is time to actually start the episode for the beijing final and we're going to start off with the recap of what happened on tuesday starting off with the lock and dog picks had a pretty decent episode as we ended up splitting we did lose the lock and we won the dog for the lock we had zverev plus three and a half and minus 135 simply put medvedev was an absolute rock and he was just unstoppable in that match. Full wall mode, and Zverev had no answers. I really hated the game plan for Zverev. It really seemed like he was willing to just rally all the time with Medvedev, and he lost a lot of the rallies because Medvedev wasn't missing, and Medvedev was serving very well. Uh, Zverev did have two break points early in the second set, which he blew, and then Medvedev converted on his first break point of the second set. But simply put, Zverev did use the kick serve, and he did volley, didn't do it enough because he kept serving it up the middle and at Medvedev. And once again, you're not going to out-rally Medvedev. So I thought it was a really dumb strategy by Zverev, and it came back to bite him. But he didn't even play that badly. In general, Medvedev was just that good, and Medvedev now is in a final. As for the dog, ended up winning. Had Korda and Manorino over two and a half sets at plus 125. Ended up backing Korda to continue his three-set ways, and that worked out. Won the first set, then lost the next two. I did have questions about Korda's stamina after having that many long matches, including the borderline three-hour match in the semis against Majedovic, and it seemed like the stamina issues were present because Korda kind of ran out of gas there after the first set. But Manorino won another title 
this year. So congrats to him. He's having basically a career year and he's in his 30s. So good for him. In fact, he's actually going to rejoin the top 25. So it's the first time he's been there in a couple of years. Congrats to him. And as a result, I do want to once again reiterate how difficult it actually is to play against Manorino. It's why we've backed him all year. It's because when you're a lefty who hits the ball extremely flat, it's very tough to prepare for. And Corda seemed to eventually just run out of answers. And to get into the actual recaps of those matches uh, from Tuesday, I am going to start off with the Astana final. I kind of just re- I kind of just stated my overall handicap. Corda ran out of gas, and Manorino was too consistent, as he was simply able to outlast Corda in a lot of these long rallies. But looking at the actual stats here, the serve numbers were pretty close. But Manorino did a better job of navigating service games while Corda did not. Corda did win uh, 52% of the second serve points, which is not bad. Manorino won 53%. But the big difference was first serve points. Manorino won 70% of those, and Corda did win 63%. So Manorino did a very good job of actually keeping Corda's first serve in play. And Corda's first serve was a serious weapon against the likes of Greek Spore and Majedovic. And Manorino kind of neutralized it. But at the end of the day, you ended up seeing Corda have success early in that match. And then after that, he really didn't do much. He got broken in each of the last two sets. And Manorino did a good job of holding the final set in route to a very comfortable 6-2 win in that third. But not really much more to add. Corda ran out of gas. Manorino was once again the model of consistency and unorthodox play. And he won another title. So good for Manorino. As for the actual Beijing semis, it looked really good on paper until the matches started, because both matches were pretty lopsided. Medvedev, I said before, won comfortably. He was an absolute wall, and Zverev had no answers, hated the game plan too. As for Alcaraz center, I thought the match would be a dud. However, I picked the wrong guy. I thought Alcaraz would win in straight sets. Instead, he lost in straight sets. Really a tale of two sets, because Alcaraz went up a break early in the first set, and then immediately punted it. And then to make matters worse, Alcaraz went up a break again in the first set and blew it again. So he immediately got gave up the break back, and you ended up seeing a lot of breaks early on. You had four breaks in the first six games of the match. Then both guys settled in with their serves, and then you eventually saw Sinner break it open in the tiebreaker in route to a 7-4 win there. Then Sinner immediately got a break to start the second set. Uh, You had Alcaraz have a couple of breakpoint chances, failed on those, and then you ended up having Alcaraz up above 40, down 1-3. Sinner fought those off, won the final five points of the game, and then after that, Sinner broke again and then won the last, uh, sorry, won the last four games of the match, including uh, the Love 40 hold. So, He really just dominated that second set. Alcaraz seemed very frustrated. He couldn't win any of the big break points, and Sinner ended up just really unloading the forehand, and he did a good job of outlasting Alcaraz, who seemed a bit impatient in a lot of these rallies, in route to a very easy 6-1 win in the second set. But Alcaraz only held serve one time in the entire set. So it really seemed like Alcaraz put all of his eggs into the first set basket, then got broken immediately. And then once he ended up losing the Love 40 game, where Sinner was trying to hold at 2-1, 
Alcaraz just fell apart, just simply put. It just seemed like Sinner outlasted him and had one of the best matches of his career. It really was a dominant performance by Sinner, and it's really a sign that Alcaraz still has a long ways to go, despite being the number one player in the world or one of the top two players in the world, because him and Djokovic have gone back and forth all year long being the number one player. But Alcaraz, despite being a very elite player, has still shown a lot of immaturity in his overall matches, which is not shocking because he's 20 years old, a reminder there, but Sinner's had his number. And I feel like a big reason for that is because of Alcaraz's inability to construct proper and smart game plans on break points. And it does seem like Alcaraz does leave a lot of opportunities by the wayside, and he needed a lot of those opportunities to go his way. They did not. Sinner took advantage of his chances, and that was really the story of the match. But Alcaraz now is headed to Shanghai, and you're going to see Sinner once again face off against Medvedev in a final. This is going to be a rematch of the Miami final, where Medvedev did win in straight sets. Kind of the exact same script, actually, because you saw Sinner beat Alcaraz in the semis in Miami before losing to Medvedev in straight sets. So maybe Sinner will be able to change his fortune in this match. But that's going to segue us into a bit of news that happened over the past 24 hours. The Australian Open announced that they are actually going to be extending the tournament. They are going to move to 15 days as their schedule, which should help reduce the amount of extreme late-night matches. And I believe the French Open is doing the same. Now, you're looking at the overall logic behind this. The Australian Open does have a lot of long matches, most notably the Kokonakis and Murray five-setter, which took a very long time. But the point is, you're looking at what I think makes sense conceptually. Do I personally mind it? Not really. Uh, You can add another day or two. It's fine. But I wanted to mention that it will result in maybe a little bit of extra rest on occasion, and you might see less matches per day since you are extending the overall length of the tournament. But since it is Australia, and since you're constantly playing in 100, uh, 100 degrees and the conditions can be brutal at times, it does make sense if you want to extend the event to give people proper rest in between matches. I don't mind it. Wanted to mention it, if you're looking for the 5 a.m. Special East Coast time for the Australian Open, you might have to readjust your schedule because those are going to be a little bit less common than before. But that's some piece of news I wanted to mention. So once again, Australian Open is going to be extending its tournament to uh, help athletes deal with proper rest concerns, etc. But anyway, time to move in to the actual Beijing final preview. We're going to start off with the head-to-head matches, and it's been very lopsided. In fact, Medvedev has owned Sinner in their entire careers. So Medvedev is 6-0. He's never lost against Sinner. He has lost some sets, but he's never lost a match. Faced off two times this year. Faced off in Miami. Medvedev did win the final there in straight sets. And they faced off in Rotterdam, and Medvedev did lose the first set there, but then won the next two sets convincingly 6-2, 6-2. So this is the third final they faced off, and Sinner will be looking for, for his first win against Medvedev and his first title win against Medvedev. So it should be a pretty fun match. But even dating back before that, Medvedev beat him in Vienna, beat him in the Nitto final in three sets, in the round-robin stage, beat him in Marseille in straight sets in 2021 and beat him in Marseille in 2020. So all six matches were on hard court and Medvedev won all six. So 
Sinner, once again, played one of the best matches of his career. And if he can, I'd say, replicate that form, he's got a shot to win this. The problem is if Medvedev replicates his form, I don't see Sinner winning because Medvedev already beats him. And he looked completely dominant in that match against Verev. I do think that Medvedev is in line to win here. Now, for the sake of the actual prices, Medvedev is minus 175. On the money line, Sinner is plus 137. As for the game spread, Medvedev minus 2.5 is minus 110. Sinner plus 2.5 is minus 125. Over-under is at 22.5. Over is minus 120. Under is minus 120. Now, based on the head-to-head, you're assuming I'm going to lean to Medvedev. But for the sake of being fair to both sides, I am going to look at the actual path of both players in this event. And simply put, Medvedev has had a much easier go of it, not necessarily in terms of competition, but in terms of length of match. Because Medvedev has only dropped one set in this entire tournament, and it was against Umber, but he coasted early as he ended up beating Tommy Paul 6-2-6-1, beat Dimenauer 7-6-6-3. So two solid top 25 players he beat pretty comfortably in straight sets. Then played Umber, dropped the set, but one in three, and then buried Zverev, who is a top 10 player in the world based on current form. As for Sinner, he ended up dropping a set to Evans, which was a bit of a war, also got injured in that match. Uh, Barry Nishioka then lost a set to Dimitrov and then ended up burying Alcaraz in the second set in route to a straight set win. So Sinner looked dominant in that Alcaraz match, don't get me wrong, but I am concerned about his tendency to drop sets, and I do think Medvedev is once again his boogeyman because Sinner just can't beat this guy. And I do think looking at the overall script that I see this match having, I see Sinner unloading once again on the forehand and the backhand, but Medvedev is so rock solid that the issue Sinner usually runs into is the unforced errors. And we even saw a couple of really bad shots in that Love 40 game against Alcaraz, where it looked like Sinner was borderline punting the game based on how many unforced error frame jobs he had in the first couple points. But we know Sinner's got the firepower. We know Medvedev has the defense. We also know Medvedev's main weakness is dealing with serve and volley guys, which is why the kick serve into the volley is a great, I'd say, method of attack for opponents of Medvedev. Sinner really doesn't do that much. He go, he can go to the net on occasion, but he really doesn't use it enough, and that's my concern. It's kind of similar to what I mentioned in the Tommy Paul match against Medvedev in the first round, which is Paul's an underrated volleyer, but he doesn't use that skill set enough, and I thought Medvedev would eventually beat him because Paul would be willing to trade behind the baseline against one of the best baseline rallyers in the world, and he'd lose, and Paul got absolutely buried I don't want to say it's going to be that bad because obviously I'm going to give Sinner a lot more credit than Paul because Sinner is the much better player than Tommy Paul. But based on the history and based on the styles of play, it does seem like Sinner is going to get stubborn and he's going to try to overpower Medvedev behind the baseline. He might have success in small doses, but in the grand scheme of things, I think Medvedev will force Sinner to hitting extra shots, and I do think that Sinner will hit a bunch of unforced errors over the course of this match, while Medvedev will go full rock mode. Plus, Medvedev, very good server, and I do think that Sinner will be more likely to face break points throughout this match. But simply put, I am going to take Medvedev to win. I think even though Sinner looked great against Alcaraz, Medvedev looked great against Verev, and he's just the ultimate weapon 
against center because of his ability to keep the ball in play and to wait until center's forehand and backhand potentially self-destruct. So for me, I'm going to go with Medvedev. I think he gets the job done. It's really tough to go against a guy who is 6-0 lifetime and has not dropped many sets to this particular opponent. But I do think looking at this overall matchup, the fact that Medvedev, once again, is just built to beat center makes me lean to Medvedev. And as a result, I am going to take him. However, 175 is a bit steep. So I am going to go with the minus two and a half sets at minus one ten, uh, minus two and a half games. I mean, at minus one ten, that price seems a bit short to go through the head-to-head matches. Medvedev has actually covered this line in every single head-to-head match, even the three setters. So I think that he's in line to cover this again. Sinner, I love as a player, but there are some flaws to his game. Medvedev's main flaw is dealing with a particular type of opponent who's going to volley. And Sinner does not volley as much as he should. So I do think that you're going to see Medvedev get the job done, possibly in straight sets. But even if he does lose a set, he can win a set in convincing fashion. 6-2, for example, in route to a three-set win and a cover in the process. Getting Medvedev to get the job done, minus two and a half games. As for the actual total games, I'm going to lean to the under. I don't feel great about it, but I do think Medvedev has some value once again to win comfortably in this match. So that's going to wrap it up. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks. But before we get into any of that, I have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love attending sporting events in person. It used to be very annoying to actually do because you had to find a ticket platform that you could trust. But that changed once I found out about Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all these sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. And they also have some great features on their app, including images of seat views. Maybe in the past, you bought a ticket and you thought you're going to get a great view of the action. And next thing you know, you had an obstruction in your way and you realize you wasted money because you could not see the action you were paying to see. That's not an issue with the Game Time app because with the images of seat views feature, it'll show you the exact view you will get if you purchase a specific seat. So once again, you don't have to worry about getting an obstructed view. Plus, Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find the tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Sign tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, Use code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code SGPN for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. Underdog also just introduced Scorchers. Go five for five and pick them Scorchers and enjoy a spicy 100 times your money. From now until October 4th, Underdog is matching 100% of your first deposits up to $500. $100,000 Sundays continue. Underdog Fantasy, 10 lucky players will win $10,000 each. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over Underdog's mobile app or website, Underdog Fantasy. And when you sign up, use promo code SGPN. Underdog will double your first spots up to $500. It's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the Beijing final between Sinner and Medvedev. Now it's time for the lock and dog pick. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go back to Medvedev, minus two and a half games at minus 110. It's not just the fact that he's 6-0 lifetime against Sinner and all six matches were on hard court is the fact that he's covered this line in all six matches, including 
uh, matches that went three sets. So I think that Medvedev, once again, just has Sinner's number. And I do think that Sinner's volatility at times is going to be his undoing in this match. Medvedev's too consistent. He's a wall. And I think that if he forces Sinner to hit enough extra shots, Sinner will eventually start spraying unforced errors, which will result in a couple of big points going in favor of Medvedev in or out to a win. So give me Medvedev minus two and a half games at minus 110 is my lock. And for my dog, I am going to go to Medvedev once again. I'm going to go with Medvedev to win in straight sets at plus 162. It's a great price for a guy who's 6-0 lifetime. Medvedev has beaten good competition here. Sinner has been very good, but he's also dropped some sets to inferior competition, which makes me believe that his volatility can still present itself. And I'm not going to fully overreact to beating Alcaraz. It was a great win. Alcaraz didn't have his greatest stuff in the second set. Not Sinner's problem. He took care of business. But I do think that Medvedev is simply put a bad matchup for Sinner. And I'm banking on history to repeat itself at around plus 162. It's a good deal. Can Sinner win a set? Sure. I'm not going to automatically tell you that Sinner's going to get buried. But I do think that getting plus 162 for a guy that's 6-0 in the head-to-head is a very good bargain price. And as a result, I am going to take it. So once again, the lock and all picks of the show. The lock is going to be on Medvedev, minus two and a half games at minus 110, and the dog will be Medvedev straight sets at plus 162. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. A reminder, we will have another episode later today to preview Shanghai, which is a Masters 1000 event, so we will be back with the quarter odds and the outrights, etc. But until then, find me on Twitter at Show Radio. Find me on the other uh, shows on the network, the NBA show, NFL show, MLB show, WNBA show, you get the point. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.